Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig with details. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Saving starts with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I think we will. <laughs> We're excited. Yeah. What I want to do is yeah. a long-distance grandparent oh. podcast. Because oh. I grew up with grandparents in the home. Hedda Sharapan was a producer on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. She has a story she likes to tell about her grandkids. When I babysit for my grandchildren in Chicago, when the phone rings... They both scream out, don't answer it, don't answer it. It might be a telemarketer. Don't answer it, don't answer it. It might be a telemarketer. With this fervor and terror almost. So one day, the four-and-a-half-year-old came to me and she said, Grandma, I never asked this question before, but I really want to know. What happens if you do answer it and it's a telemarketer? She said, do the police come? This is a phenomenal world we live in, and it's very complicated to a young child. There are so many things that kids just don't understand, and that's why they ask why all the time. Why the streetlights turn red, why water goes down the drain, where someone goes when they leave the room, or whether they'll even come back. Kids fill that void with wonder sometimes, with magical ideas, and sometimes they fill that void with monsters and with fear. There's a quote from Mr. Rogers' favorite book, The Little Prince. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Fred spent his whole life learning how to see the invisible insides of children in his audience, Learning about that essential thing, how kids make sense of the world, how we all make sense of the world. 
Fred understood that childhood is the essence of who we become. And these things that we work on in our childhood and the way we resolve them stay with us through our lives. I'm Carvel Wallace, and this is Finding Fred, a podcast about Fred Rogers from iHeartMedia and Fatherly in partnership with Transmitter Media. For years, for centuries maybe, we didn't know much about children. They were assumed to be like tiny adults who just needed some discipline, some training to grow up and be well-mannered people. But after World War II, a new field of research emerged, child development. And with it, the revolutionary idea that kids aren't simply blank slates waiting to be stamped with ideas and personalities— people started to understand that kids are constantly sampling the world around them and assembling an identity, a way of being in the world. Because the important question is not so much what can we give children onto them, what can we produce for them? The really important question is what are they bringing to us? For more than 50 years, Hedda Sharapan has worked with the production company founded by Fred Rogers in Pittsburgh. What's fascinating is that Pittsburgh was such a hub for understanding early childhood as the beginning of the journey to adulthood. In the 1950s, the University of Pittsburgh was home to pioneering work in the field of child development. Eric Erickson, who coined the term identity crisis, was a professor there. He was among the first psychologists to take seriously the inner lives of children. Benjamin Spock was also there. For much of the 20th century, his book on children was the second best-selling work after the Bible. But then there was Dr. Margaret McFarland. Not as well known as the other two, but perhaps the most gifted of them all. Erickson himself once said that, quote, she knew more than anyone in this world about families with young children. It was Margaret McFarland that Fred Rogers chose as his mentor. I was a student of Margaret McFarland's in grad school. And one thing she would do was tell stories. She would give us the context for things. She would talk about a child who was sad because his mother had to go out and he was left with the babysitter. And he sulked for a while and cried. But then what he did was he got up into her rocking chair And he took a magazine and sat there with it in his hands. It was even upside down, but that's what she would do. It was as if he needed to recreate her and have her with him so that he wouldn't miss her so much. One of the beauties of Fred's work with Margaret is that, and with all of us, is that she would help us see the things that were beyond our eyes. Fred met Dr. McFarland in the 1950s. He took her graduate-level child development classes at the University of Pittsburgh. Later, when he was making television, he encouraged Hedda Sherapan to do the same. They were taping at night, uh-huh. so it worked out with my schedule. In the daytime, I was learning this complex child development theory, and at night I would come into the control room, and I would see Fred live out all the things I was learning about. How do you help children with aggression? What do you do with the mad that you feel? (laughs) Ritual. 
transitions. He says, we are going to go now into, it's time for the neighbor to make, but he led us to the next step. Uh, separation. Separation anxiety was a kind of recurring theme on Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Fred found all sorts of ways to talk with kids about that scariest thing, being abandoned. I'm really sorry, Daniel. Are you? I can see by your face that you're really sad. Yeah. It feels awful to get forgotten. I know. Why did you forget me? I was hurrying around so much, I I just wasn't thinking straight. Has that ever happened to you? What? Somebody forgetting you. Yes. It has? Oh. Could you tell me about it? Well, it was my birthday party. Mm. And my very best friend forgot to come to my party. She did? I waited and waited for her to come to the door with a present. And what happened? She was gone to her grandmother's house. I couldn't even get her on the telephone. Was she mad at you? No. She just forgot. Could you tell me again why you didn't come for me one more time? I forgot. I know. There are over 900 episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and each week, Fred would walk down the street, script in hand, to Dr. McFarland's office. I can remember one time when I wrote something about bees, and she said, well, do you know what bees mean to young children? Betsy Siemens worked on Fred's show in the 1970s. She told me that Margaret McFarland helped them make a show that spoke right to kids' experience. She said, well, you know, they, they, if they sting you, it, you know, it has to do with body integrity, and they, you know, it's a violation. And she wouldn't say, don't use bees. She's just saying, if we're going to have bees, we have to deal with bees. You have to understand the implications. Hmm. You have to understand what that's about from this magical world that we have a hard time accessing. You know, and, but she had full access. She had a passport right into that world, and she could go there all the time. Margaret could go there all the time, and she opened the door for Fred. And Fred, he held the door open for the rest of the neighborhood. And one of the things I always understood from Fred, that um, until basically children lose their milk teeth, as you, mm -hmm. you know, like surround six, mm -hmm. they live in a magical world. And so I think his thing was to to listen so hard and to think so hard about how Someone who lives in another world, literally, in a magical world where, where there's little men up in the streetlights that are making them turn different colors. Yeah, It's hard to access that child and hard to communicate with that child. What a special assignment that is to try to get access to that magical world. In Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Fred brought kids' magical worlds to life. The neighborhood of make-believe was a place where puppets were in charge, wars could be solved with balloons, where a striped tiger named Daniel lived in a clock. Are you ready for the neighborhood of make-believe? Okay, here's the trolley. We'll make the trolley come right around the castle and think of the neighborhood of make-believe. 
tell you, Meow, Meow really worried Meow Meow Daniel. You know, I think Daniel's been coughing ever since yesterday. Yes, I did notice a trip to make-believe could be playful and full of wonder, but it could also be a safe place where kids could encounter their fears and figure out how to deal with them. Betsy told me that the Land of Make-Believe segments were the most carefully made parts of the show. I would go to Margaret before I ever wrote out dialogue for the neighbor to make-believe. And then she would talk to me about the implications. There would be a through line in the neighborhood of make-believe, like a little uh, soap opera. And on Monday, something happens and then trouble. I mean, I'm thinking of a week where Daniel um, got left behind. Lady Averlyn forgot to take him somewhere and, 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 and he was left alone. Could you tell me again why you didn't come for me one more time? I forgot. I know. Does it make you feel like we aren't really friends? Kind of. But I don't know why. But not really. You know we're friends, Daniel. Yes. It seems like we just are. (laughs) I'm still so sorry. I'm not as sad as I was before, before you came and talked to me. Oh, good. The stories in the land of make-believe were reinforced by things that happened in the rest of the show, in Mr. Rogers' house, in the real-life neighborhood. The opening reality of the program, we deal with the stuff that dreams are made of. And then in the neighborhood of make-believe, we deal with it as if it were a dream. And then when it comes back to me, we deal with a simple interpretation of the dream. Anything can happen in make-believe, and we can talk about anything in reality. One of Fred's favorite sayings was, if it is mentionable, it is manageable. The quote is from Margaret McFarland. She, like Fred, believed that this is the real value of TV for kids, communication. It is less a show for children and more real communication with them. And that's the only way I understand that, is that to the child, the television program between you and the child is a real relationship and that you are speaking to the child. As soon as the the television artist becomes a child before the screen, then the adult-child relationship is lost. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood did more than entertain kids. Margaret and Fred listened carefully to children and then made a show that spoke to them, that helped them make sense of the world, that lovingly showed them how to be in the world. But needless to say... That is not how most of children's television turned out. More after the break.
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When I was a parenting advice columnist for Slate, one question we always got from parents was about how to protect kids from media and from all the bad things they might find on YouTube and the Internet. For a lot of us, this fear leads to a suspicion of, maybe even an outright panic about media and technology, because it does feel next to impossible to figure out how to shield your kids when so much stuff is flying at them. But that feeling of threat is not new. Television in terms of children's TV started nationally in 1947 with Howdy Doody, and it couldn't be more manic. David Biancooli is a longtime TV critic. Some of the characters uh, were more violent, were more rowdy. We can't play you any of the footage from those early days of TV because it is all astronomically expensive, even 70-plus years later. But the shows basically sounded like this. Kids, tell your parents you want Ovaltine, 
Tootsie Rolls, Twinkies, Colgate Toothpaste, Wonder Bread, shoes and hats and toys and Whirlpool dryers. The children who were in the TV studio were called the Peanut Gallery, and they were all amped up on sugar products. And it was a crazy place, and it was uh, hugely promotional in terms of pushing products for the kids to buy. A 1955 catalog had 24 pages filled with products licensed by Howdy Doody alone. It included puppets and toys, clothing, cereals and candies. There are those people who sometimes say that television doesn't affect us all that much. Well, all I can say is then why would advertisers pay so much money to put their messages on a medium that doesn't affect us all that much. In 1951, Fred Rogers came home to Latrobe from his college in Florida. He discovered that his parents owned one of the first TVs in town. His first reaction was curiosity. His next, as best we can tell, was disgust. It was a program where people were dressed up in some kinds of costumes or something, and they were, they literally were putting pies in each other's faces. And I, I was astounded at that. And I thought, this could be a wonderful tool for education. Why is it being used this way? And so I, I said to my parents, you know, I don't think I'll go to seminary right away. I think maybe I'll go into television. And they said, well, but you've never even seen it. And I said, well, I've seen enough of it here. I just thought, uh, hey, let's see what we can do with this. He was a music major who was gearing up to go to theological seminary. And suddenly he was shipping off to NBC in New York to make TV. He starts making connections, climbing the ladder. He's making it in New York City. And then Pittsburgh calls. Not only was Pittsburgh a hub for studying child development, in the 1950s, it was also one of the most innovative places in the country for technology, R&D. It was the home to Alcoa, Westinghouse, the forerunner of what became Carnegie Mellon University. And early in the decade, the city's mayor had his own technological eureka moment. He dreamed up the idea of a community-funded, non-commercial, educational public television station— in 1954, that dream became a reality. WQED, the first such public TV station in the country. I told some of my friends at NBC that I thought that I'd put my name in and apply for the station. They said, you are nuts. That place isn't even on the air yet. And you're in line to be a producer or a director or anything you want to be here. And I said, no, I have, I have the feeling that educational television might, might be, at least for me, the way of the future. And I applied and was one of the first, I think one of the first six to be uh, hired at WQED, which, true, it wasn't on the air yet. 
We didn't go on the air until April 1st of 1954. Fred was part of a new show called The Children's Corner. Fred wasn't the host. That was a local actor named Josie Carey. But he was present in every scene, composing and playing the music and performing with some very familiar puppets. I'd like everybody to meet a very, very good friend of mine, a tame tiger. He's not wild. Don't get scared. Ready? Yes. Stand up straight. I'd like you to meet my friend, Daniel S. Tiger. How do you do? One of my very earliest TV memories is I remember Children's Corner. It was just a local TV show in Pittsburgh, but it was captivating then because of how sweet it was and how different from everything else on TV. It was quiet, it was it was laid back, and it took its time. A few years and a few more puppets later, Fred was center stage, on camera. From the very beginning, Fred stood apart from his on-air peers. He wasn't pandering to kids. He wasn't selling them toys or candy. He was using his complex understanding of child psychology to create a real relationship with his audience. He understood the value of repetition for young viewers. He understood the value of structure to offer the same sort of elements over and over again. He understood slow pacing, and which is not the same thing as being boring, but it's just taking your time. Television is an exceedingly personal medium. It reflects the story back to us. Whatever we happen to be watching, we bring our own story to the screen. And so consequently, it's, it's like a dialogue. I do feel that what we see and hear on the screen is part of who we become. After World War II, a television boom hit the U.S. In 1949, a couple of years before Fred Rogers started making programs, fewer than a million households in the U.S. had a TV. But two decades later, in 1969, when Fred Rogers' neighborhood was a year old, there were 44 million such households. Advertisers got more aggressive. This flashy new medium could make people feel sweeping emotions and then sell them on toys and gadgets, maybe even on ideas. Meanwhile, to attract new audiences to sell more stuff, shows got louder and faster and more violent. During the 60s, you see a wave of growing violence and unrest in the world, assassinations and uprisings, and people wanted to know whether TV was playing a role in this escalating mess. One such person was John Pastore. By 1969, he had served as the governor of Rhode Island and was now a sitting senator. President Nixon was leaning on Congress to shrink its funding to public broadcasting, and Pastore was skeptical about whether there was anything worth salvaging in TV. 
a small delegation of public broadcasters was called to Washington to advocate for and defend the medium in front of Senator Pastore. Fred Rogers was among them. Hedda Sherapan was working with Fred by this time and recalls how invested he was in reaching Pastore with his finely crafted message. Fred worked long and hard on his speeches. Revision and revision and revision. So when I heard that Senator Pastore, who was the head of the communications committee, said, I don't want anyone to read their speeches any. I'm tired of hearing people read. <laughs> Just tell me what you want. <laughs> I, I thought, uh-oh, oh, good luck, Fred. <laughs> Pastore had sat through two days' worth of testimony, mostly people reading prepared statements focused on the dollars and cents involved in cutting public TV's budget. He barks that he's not interested in any more reading. Senator Pastore... This is a philosophical statement and would take about 10 minutes to read, so I'll not do that. My first children... Will it make you happy if you read it? I'd just like to talk about it, if it's all right. All right, sir. I'm very much concerned, as I know you are, about what's being delivered to our children in this country. I read an article about Senator Pastore that he was really troubled by the violence on television. Hmm. And I have a sense that Fred did his homework and understood that that was something important to him because Fred was like that. He wanted to know who his audience was. He wanted to know who you are so that he could relate in most meaningful, relevant kind of way. I give an expression of care every day to each child to help him realize that he is unique. I end the program by saying, you've made this day a special day by just your being you. There's no person in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. Well, I'm supposed to be a pretty tough guy, and this is the first time I've had goosebumps for the last two days. Well, I'm grateful not only for your goosebumps, but for your interest in, in our kind of communication. Could I Fred spoke from the heart, with passion, with clarity. It's not just to influence someone. It's to help them feel something. Hmm. That's what will help you take it in. I think it's wonderful. That if it evokes something in you. I think it's wonderful. Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> Fred always quoted the little prince. What is essential is invisible to the eye. The full quote from the book, however, is, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Sometimes the most important feelings we have, the most essential ones, are the quiet, nearly invisible ones, the tiny feeling of regret that nags at us when we think we might be hurting someone, the small tingle we feel when we see something that we love. And maybe 
When we are children, these feelings are louder in us, more intense. But the thing is, as children, we don't yet know which feelings are to be ignored, like the fear that the police will come if the telemarketers call, and which ones are important, like the feeling that someone you trust may be trying to hurt you. We count on the adults in our lives to help us sort that out as we grow. So what happens when the adults who are teaching us are themselves unable to listen with the heart, when they don't pay attention to how we're feeling or what we need? What happens when adults can't help us because their lives are too busy or too loud or too full of fear? When we're left alone with feelings we don't understand or know what to do with, what kind of world does that make for all of us? And what kind of world could we have if we were better at listening to those quiet cues from children, especially the kids that still live somewhere inside us? Next time. If you are vulnerable on camera and if you let people know when you don't know or if you let people see you break or if you let people see you like sweat, like then they connect with you on a human level. Finding Fred is produced by Transmitter Media. The team is Dan O'Donnell, Jordan Bailey and Maddie Foley. Our editor is Sarah Nix. The executive producer for Transmitter Media is Greta Cohn. Executive producers at Fatherly are Simon Isaacs and Andrew Berman. Thanks to the team at iHeartMedia. Fred Rogers interview tape courtesy of the Television Academy Foundation interviews. The full interview is available at televisionacademy.com slash interviews. Our show is mixed by Rick Kwan. Music by Blue Dot Sessions and Allison Leighton Brown. If you like what you're hearing, rate the show, review the show, and tell a friend. I'm Carvel Wallace, and thanks for listening. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com.